0: Welcome to Between the Lines, a podcast for middle schoolers all about books. From the newest releases to under the radar reads to the latest in YA news, get it all here. I'm Jen Dool from Richmond Public Library. And I'm
1: Barbara Haas from Richmond Public Schools. Each month we'll be hosting a new middle school student as our guest host. And this month's guest co-host is Amina. Amina, would you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Amina, and I
2: have a big passion for cooking and reading, and I attend River City Middle School. I think
1: we might be twins, Amina. I also have a big passion for cooking and reading. I wish I had a passion for cooking. You can come over anytime, Jen.
0: I need someone to eat all the stuff that I cook this is episode four of between the lines our podcast dedicated to books for middle schoolers we are so excited to be talking to you this month about some awesome books that we're currently reading our favorite debut novels and some ya news so let's start out with what we're currently reading Barbara, what are you currently reading? I'm going
1: to talk today about the book I just finished reading. And that was The Enigma Game by Elizabeth Wine. And she also wrote Codename Verity. And when I picked it up, I didn't realize it was the same author. And I haven't read Codename Verity, although it has been on my TBR list for quite some time. So what I discovered was that The Enigma Game is the previous Quill to codename Verity. And I loved it. I picked it up because of the summary. It's about a secret coding machine that was used in World War II. It didn't disappoint. I love historical fiction anyway, it was so good. The main character is a young woman of mixed race. Her name is Louisa, and she gets a job taking care of an elderly woman named Jane. Now, she was hired by Jane's niece, whose name is Nan, but she was hired over the phone. So the niece doesn't realize that Louisa is Black. So she's quite surprised when Louisa shows up with Jane, and she wasn't expecting that at all. So that's kind of a part of the story. but. Jane herself has a secret, and Louisa and Jane kind of bond over their secret. Nan owns a pub in a town where there's an airfield, and that's where we meet Jamie Beaufort-Stewart. He's an English gentleman and a flight lieutenant, and apparently, because I haven't read it yet, he is a character in Codename Verity. So this is his story that is the prequel to that story. But in the Enigma game, a German spy comes to the pub and hides the Enigma machine, which then Louisa finds. She and Jane figure out how to use it and secretly share those messages with Jamie. One of the things I love the best about this story was the relationship between Jane and Louisa. Who are both carrying this burden of their identity. I don't want to give too much away, but the other characters are also very well developed and very compelling. And it really makes me want to go out and read everything by Elizabeth Wine. I will say this book is perfect for middle school. There is a little bit of violence because it is wartime and there are some battles, but there's barely any romance at all. So it's really a very middle grade appropriate story. But the The story itself is so compelling that I think older students would enjoy it as well. So I highly recommend it for anything up from upper elementary all the way to
0: adults like me. So was the coding machine, is it based on something that really? Yeah, so it is. It was an Enigma machine. I I mean, I don't want to give away too
1: much of the story because part of that is them figuring out how to use it. But it was very well thought out and very well written so that I didn't have any trouble at all imagining how they figured it out and how it worked when they got it figured out, if that makes sense. And I love puzzles. And I think this is especially appropriate if anyone wants to pick it up because January 29th is International Puzzle Day. So this is a book that would totally fit into that day as well.
0: I also have not read Codename Verity, but I know that it is extremely popular. I know that everybody that I know that's read it loves it. It's kind of become a more recent, what I would consider white classic. So this was probably just as
1: good. I I can imagine too. And I'm going to move it up on my TBR list. Have you read it, Amina? Codename Verity? Uh, no, I actually never have heard about the book. Well, I will let you know if I like it, but I would recommend it just based on the Enigma game, or maybe you'd want to start with the Enigma game. I'm not sure and get to know Jamie before you read codename Verity.'ll it'll be interesting to see when I read codename Verity if it would if it would be different because now I already know something about that character.
2: It sounds really interesting. Do you like historical fiction? Yeah, I really love it. me too. <laughs>
0: I always find it interesting when an author writes a prequel after the fact. Mm -hmm and deciding whether or not to read it first or to read it in the order that the books were written. Mm-hmm. For instance, that just happened with the Hunger Games series and the Twilight series. I don't know if the newest Twilight is a prequel, but definitely written from a different perspective of one of the characters. And so it's always like, which one do I read? First? I totally agree with that. I
1: read, it was the series by Cassandra Clare, The Infernal Devices and I can't remember what the other one was called but I read the prequels before I read the ones that she had originally written
0: and I like the prequels much better. She's interesting because she has a lot of different series that are kind of adjacent to each other and so there are these lists that readers have put out about recommended orders to read the books and there are three or four different recommended orders that you could choose from in which to read them. So I find that fascinating. I'm going to go look that up. That is great. Mm -hmm. So the clock Clockwork
1: Angel was the first book of hers that I read and I loved it. I read that whole series in like 2 weeks. They were really good. Well, how about
2: you, Amina? What are you reading right now? The last book that I read was actually Percy Jackson the Lightning Thief. It's uh, actually one of those school district books, but it was written by Rick Riordan and um, it's a really filled with it's really action packed and a thriller,
1: but it's most definitely a must read.
0: Does that one have mythology? Yes, it does.
1: It's a really good book. So I believe that series is Greek mythology. Is that correct? Yes. Did it make you want to go out and read more about Greek mythology?
0: Um. Yeah, it really did. Cool. And that one is the first in a series too. Yeah. All right. Is. Do you think you'll read the Uh, rest of it? If I can find the books, yeah, I probably will. I bet Barbara and I can help you out with that. (laughs) And I feel quite sure that River City Middle School has all those books as well. Rick Rorton is very cool because not only did he write his own books based on Greek mythology, but recently he has started his own publishing agency and he publishes diverse authors. So authors from other cultures or different heritages. And their books are also based on mythology, but not, you know, the more traditionally published Greek mythology. So there's a book on Korean mythology and another one with African mythology, and so if you follow along with his publications, you get exposed to just a whole world of different mythological beliefs, and so it's really really cool to get more of a wide view of what mythology across the world um, looks like. So definitely if you get into that, Amina, you should check okay. those out too.
1: I I'll try to. I also like, I, I love comparing, because even in different cultures, there's always some similarities, even when you have totally diverse cultures. Our mythology sometimes is often quite similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I don't know, I'm just very important in today's world that we recognize what we have in common rather than focusing on our differences. Well,
0: right now, I am actually reading a historical fiction novel as well. And I just started it. Normally, when we record this podcast, I've just finished a book. But this time, I've just started it. And I am reading Brotherhood by A.B. Westrick. And I'm almost embarrassed to say that I haven't read this one yet because I know the author personally, and she's a wonderful person. And this book is a book that I own and has been sitting on my bookshelf for a really long time. So I don't have a good excuse for not picking it up yet because I have heard wonderful things about it over the years. It's kind of one of those things where you don't read (laughs) the books that you own as fast as you read the books that you check out. So That's true. Those
1: books that are sitting on your shelf don't have a due date. (laughs) Very true.
0: But I finally picked it up because I saw the author had posted something on social media. It was very recently. It was a quote from a mom that had tweeted her. She was referring to some some of the events that have been going on with the riots at the Capitol building and really just over most recently the past year, but have been going on for several years with sort of the Black Lives Matter movement and all of the things that are going on in U.S. society today. And what she said was, I was able to explain some of what happened to my son because he had read your book. And so the book is about white supremacy, specifically, it's set post-Civil War, so during the Reconstruction period. The quote on the cover says, the war is over, but the conflict has just begun. And that is totally true. You know, a lot of people think of the Civil War as a period in our history that was this big turning point. It, of course, ended slavery in the United States. It kept our states together as a union, but it wasn't sort of this magic wand that fixed everything. There was still a lot of turmoil going on in our country directly afterwards and really honestly throughout history into today. So basically, A.B. Westrick said that when she wrote this book, she didn't realize how relevant it would come to be today. And so I felt like it was the perfect time to pick it up. It's about two brothers during the Reconstruction period, so right after the Civil War, and they live in Richmond, Virginia. And the older brother has joined the KKK. And so little brother doesn't really understand what that group is all about. He just knows that he loves his older brother and kind of, you know, idolizes him and so follows him and tries to mimic the things that he does. But what happens is, as the older brother gets more involved with this hate group, the younger brother, Shad, begins to understand how awful it is. And so, of course, there's this conflict of what do you do when a family member is involved with this hate group? You love your brother because he's your brother but you don't love what he's doing or what he stands for. So I feel like in our country today, family and friends have become very divided over political and moral issues. And so I thought that this was the perfect time to pick up this book and read it. What I love about it is that it started out with an action scene right from the beginning. So it really got me engaged in the story and caught up in what was going on. The other part that's really cool about it, as I mentioned, it's set in Richmond. So I recognize all these street names and place names which is very nice and the author even has on her website a little tour that you can go on throughout Richmond with stops that mirror the places in the book and QR codes so you can scan them when you're there and you can listen to the author talking about that place and reading a passage out of the book so it's got all of these ties to our city which I really love as well and like I said I just started reading it so I'm interested in seeing where it goes but I'm already very invested in the story. Well I did
1: read that book when it first came out. And I absolutely loved it. I think what Westrick does a really good job with is that conflict, right? And I think you're absolutely right, Jen. Families are on different sides of our political climate right now. And she explores how you can unconditionally love your brother or any family member. And also, unconditionally disagree with what they stand for. And I think that is something that a lot of us are exploring right now in this political climate and how to navigate these relationships. We don't want to cut off the people we love, but we have to find a place where we can be true to our own moral compass and still love someone who just is diametrically opposite of who you are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You put that very well. And it seems like such a big, deep, emotional topic, especially for a book, geared for middle school students, but I think she does a good job of writing it in such a way that um, middle school students can understand and relate to the issues. And it's also a reality for all of us today. Amina, I mean, I
1: don't want to put you on the spot, but have you had these discussions? Do you have friends or family members who might feel a different way than you do? Um,
2: yeah, I have had some family members who feel different ways. And how have
1: you navigated that?
2: Um. Well, we sort of just like talk it out and then disagree and, or disagree. I admire you for that.
0: Yeah, it's a tough spot to be in. But I think that, Amina, you are right on the mark as far as saying that talking things out and communication is so key. And there may come points in times where you do just have yeah. to agree to disagree. Well, let's move on to our next topic. Barbara, do you want to talk about kind of why? Yeah, so we mixing? were thinking New Year
1: new books so all the books that we'll be discussing in this next section
0: will be debut novels a fresh start so when we say debut novels what we mean are these are the very first novel that an author has published Mm
2: -hmm. so amina would you like to go first so i enjoy anne braden's debut book um the benefits of being an octopus and it's most definitely a page turner and it's also informative because it gives you facts about the octopus Some of the parts are a little bit, like, shocking, but I really think the book is great, and I'd definitely read it twice if I could. About this girl named Zoe and how she, it's really just about her daily life, mostly. She all the time refers to herself as an octopus because it's one of her favorite animals. Hmm, that's interesting. So I believe she's juggling
1: a lot of things.
2: Uh, she's, you know, she lives in a trailer park and she has two brothers and one sister, but uh, she's, she's the oldest sibling in the house. So it's really hard for her.
0: Does she kind of have to yeah. take on a parental role? Yeah, that is tough. So how does she identify with the octopus? Does she feel that the octopus possesses characteristics that she wishes she has or that she can Um, relate I think it's
2: mainly both of that because, I mean, she'll just sometimes just think that she's an octopus, but
1: she knows that she's not one. I think that um, she at times wishes she had eight arms so that she could do several things at once.
0: That makes complete sense. I read this book a long time ago. I'm a huge animal lover. And so I I think that animals have so many human like characteristics but one of the things is that they're very inherently good and so I love any book that connects us with animals and helps us sort of learn from them in a way I must agree and I will say to all of our listeners
1: I loved Anne Braden's book and I also love Anne Braden she was able to come to Richmond public schools and speak to our student and she is an amazing human being very kind and loving so I I enjoyed getting to know her. And I think, you know, when you make a connection with an author, you are automatically making a connection with their story, with their books. But I will also say recently, I watched the movie, My Octopus Teacher, and it gave me so much more insight into the book, The Benefits of Being an Octopus and what octopus is, because they say that's what you should say. octopuses, is what, what they are like and, and they are smart. And I think you're right, Jen, like they have this kind of compassion or empathy as well. And the movie, My Octopus Teacher, really delves into into that kind of connection between animals and humans. And it is just absolutely breathtaking. Amina, did it give you, um, like did it spark an interest in
2: octopuses? Uh, Yeah, it really did because I mean, they're like really smart sea life animals. They can, they really can get in like any space and they can just crunch up their bodies
1: like a chip bag. That is a great analogy. I love that.
0: So cool. I, you know, I might have to go reread that book. I don't reread books very often. But well, I will that, just say,
1: say um, she has a new book coming out in March. It's called The Flight of the Puffin. And I think that if you like the benefits of being an octopus, you will also love The Flight of the Puffin. It is a charming, lovely, fact-filled, fun book.
0: All right. Well, I would love to talk about a debut novel that I enjoyed last year. It is called Most Likely, and it's by Sarah Watson. And this novel follows four friends, Ava, CJ, Jordan, and Martha. They are in their senior year of high school. They're all excited but nervous to move on to what they consider adulthood. They're each very smart and very talented in their own way. Ava is sort of this artist who appears kind of perfect on the outside, really a perfectionist at heart. She struggles with low self-esteem and depression. So she's got some internal sort of mental health things that she's dealing with. CJ seems to be the one that has it all figured out. She gets good grades. She wants to go to Stanford, but she has just scored abysmally on her SATs. So that kind of has thrown her future plans for a loop. Jordan is the group's resident journalist. She's always sniffing out something going on in her community and she is super ready to move on to journalism big leagues and then martha comes from a family who really struggles financially and she is also struggling with coming to terms with her sexuality so each of these friends kind of has their own little story going on but it's also a greater story about their friendship now here is the twist. This book goes back and forth between past, which is their senior year of high school, and present, which is their adulthood. And one of these four friends in adulthood becomes the first female president so of the United cool. States. Cool, but you don't know which of the four girls it is. Okay, so the book is a little bit of a mystery, like you're trying to figure it out. And what you learn is that even though each of these four girls is so different, they all are so unique and powerful and smart that it really could have been any of the four that ended up as president. You just don't get to learn who it is until the very end. I thought this was a perfect book to talk about on this episode considering we just swore in our first female vice president. That was very cool. These girls are also, you know, very diverse in that they come from different backgrounds, different races, different religions. You know, I thought that that was cool that there's a lot of nice representation in the book as well. So. It is such a cool story. And I did not guess which girl it was at the end, which woman, excuse me, who, you know, who ended up being president. But it was a really cool, unique premise for a book that I, I love care. that.
1: Actually, I have read several debut novels recently. But the one I'm going to talk about today is These Violent Delight. And I actually read about it in my newsletter from the Richmond Public Library. I chose it because Ooh. it is a modern retelling of Romeo and Juliet. And if you have listened to our podcast previously, you know how much I love retellings. (laughs) This one is set in Shanghai in the 1920s. Juliet Kai is the heir to the Scarlets. And Roma Montagov is the heir to the White Flowers. These are rival gangs who rule the city. Trouble begins as foreigners come into the city determined to get in on some of the wealth that exists in the city. And the communists are starting to rally underpaid factory workers. In the midst of all this, which is historically accurate, maybe not the gang part, but the foreigners and the communist part. In the midst of all this, a terrible monster is unleashed, causing the people of Shanghai to lose their minds and to rip out their own throats. These violent delights not only replace the family rivalry that mirrors Romeo and Juliet, But it's also a commentary on the politics and civil unrest of the time. Maybe it's just the time in which we're living, but much of this book rang true to me for our present times. It had fighting a monster that kills many people. It had the fight for and the fear of a vaccine. And it had a culture that doesn't welcome foreigners. And also in the background, which this book is going to be the first in a series, and I think they might explore this in some of the later books. There's this idolization of America, but it's the America that bred the KKK. So very interesting that maybe this book would pair very nicely with Brotherhood, which you talked about earlier, Jen.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. I think that book sounds so cool. I'm I will
1: say st- I will warn team, though, our listeners sure. that this book is kind of the opposite of the Enigma game, which I talked about earlier. It is very violent and dark and the romance is PG-13. I thought it did a great job of being accurate of the Romeo and Juliet story, but putting that modern spin. And even though it was set in the 1920s, I thought it was absolutely relevant for 2021.
0: It's like history repeats itself, which is maybe another important thing to note when we're talking about some of these books today.
1: Yeah, I think that has definitely been a theme for today, definitely in brotherhood, Definitely in Greek mythology, in The Lightning Thief, and also
0: in The Enigma Game. Very good. Oh, lots of good stuff to learn. Definitely. All right. Well, for the very last segment of this podcast, I just want to share some very quick YA news. And I'm going to do sort of a shameless plug for something we have going on at Richmond Public Library. It's going to be a little bit of a twofer today. The first thing I want to tell you about is the Richmond Public Library every year awards what we called the Yava Award, and Yava stands for Young Adult Virginia Author award. Basically what this award is, is it goes to an author who lives in Virginia and has written a YA book, a book written for a teen in the prior year. So they get a little cash prize and then we have them come back and do a program for our local teens. And they are selected as a winner based on a panel of some teen judges. So, you know, really they are getting this because teens love their books. Right now we are in our nomination period, which means That we are looking for people to nominate their favorite Virginia author who wrote a YA book in 2020. I just want to encourage our listeners if you have read anything by a Virginia author that was published last year and feel that they are worthy of an award or you feel they should be recognized, please go to our website and nominate them. Now, here's the second piece of my news one of our former YAVA nominees. MK England, who wrote The Disasters, which was published in 2019. This book has been picked up to be adapted by The CW as a TV series, which I just think is so cool. It's being pitched as The Breakfast Club meets Guardians of the Galaxy. It is recommended for readers who liked Illuminae, Heart of Iron, and Firefly. There's no release date yet, but please keep your eyes peeled for it. I think it's going to be a really good one. That's awesome. I'm so proud of MK England and Virginians everywhere. That's awesome. Thank you for joining us for this month's episode of Between the Lines. Tune in next month where we'll have a special theme picked out just for Valentine's Day. And be sure to follow us on
1: Spotify so you'll be alerted when new episodes go live. If any of one of you are
2: interested in being a guest host like me, you can reach out to
1: Miss Jen or Barbara. The contact information is in the show notes. And thank you, Amina, for joining us this month. We have loved having you as our guest host. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, we have a little saying that we say at the very end of our podcast. Until next time. Happy happy reading. Happy reading.